0: I love Rebecca, <laughs> Captain Rebecca. She's known over in the children's ministry. She's amazing and she does such a good job on that. And so it's great to have you here this morning. I hope you're having a great morning. i have already, <laughs> I feel like, okay, now it's, hopefully this is just icing on the cake. Okay, hopefully this is just a great experience in hearing God's word and uh, kind of connecting with him in that way. We've already connected with the Holy Spirit, which is amazing. And uh, our goal, our ambition every Sunday morning is uh, based on a value, and that value is that everyone connects with God and leaves going, I just met with God. Not with Pastor Ricardo or anybody else for that matter, but uh, with God. If you do that, then we've succeeded, and we've had a great morning, and I think we've already met that goal. And so I want to encourage you, if you uh, receive this uh, as you walked in, we have groups going on. just Some of them are just starting and we just want to encourage you to get involved in a group. We call groups the glue. The glue that helps people uh, connect in relationship, connect in, in uh, a way of learning and growing in our discipleship processes. And so we just want to encourage you, get involved. There's a prayer team that meets on Thursday, Thursdays at noon. There's Battlefield of the Mind. It's a great one uh, by Joyce Meyer. First Impressions team. Uh, our team works as a, a group, our Journey Cafe team. Unfiltered Jesus, uh, my wife and I are leading that on Tuesday nights at 6.30. Fishers of Men is a great one on Wednesday nights for guys at 6.30. Christ, the Christ Connection, a group for women, Wednesdays Wednesdays at 6.30. And uh, Young Moms, Young Moms are meeting uh, Fridays at 8.30 to 10 on Friday mornings. Great, great groups to get involved in and encourage you. If you haven't already started, you can jump in on any of them and you'd be welcome. And it's just a great place to go and learn. Hang out with some other people and have a great relationship uh, with with those around you. So um, I'm excited about groups and um, uh, just jump in. It's going to be fantastic. <clears throat> with that said, we're going to start a new series called "Armed and Dangerous." You like that? Yeah. For some of you, not not really. Yeah, you guys are a little scared. You might be put on a watch list if you like our posts or anything, because Armed and Dangerous is kind of a a crazy title, but uh, we go for that title because what the goal is, the ambition is for this entire series, is that we are prepared to deal with the enemy. We are prepared to deal with the enemy. Have you ever asked yourself the question, um, what did I just get myself into? Have you ever asked that question? Now, for Christians, it's really interesting, especially if you're new to Christianity, um, you may ask yourself, why would we talk about armed and dangerous? Why would we talk about a battle or any of those kinds of things when uh, you got into Christianity so you could have your sins forgiven and get yourself to heaven, right? I mean, that's, that's our main motivation. I'd just love to know that all my mistakes are gone. I, I like the knowledge that I'm going to go to heaven, right? Okay. Those are all really good things and good reasons to get into Christianity. But the reality is, is that once you become a Christian, you become a warrior. (laughs) I asked the question when I went to school. So I graduated from Saugus High School, um, just 40 miles east of here. And my entire high school career, I only read one book. It was called The Bad News Bears. I don't even remember why I read that book. It must have been an English class or something. But that's the only book I read in full. And, uh, and so I got into college. When I, was called, I became a Christian, I got called into ministry. I, my, my first week in college, uh, I realized that I was in big, big trouble because uh, when you go there, you have to read. And it's, like I, you know, I, it's not like I didn't know how to read. It's just that I didn't read. And I didn't read a lot. And I would read, you know, short articles or th- different things like that. But I, I learned that when you go to school, you have to read all these books. And I had a stack of books this big and all kinds of different books. And I'm like, oh, what did I just get myself into? And it was crazy. And I honestly I did not read a whole lot of that, that in that semester. I read parts of it and I learned that if you read the last Uh, first sentences of every paragraph you get the gist of things and I learned if you go to the end of the book then you really get the the answers and um, I did everything I could to take the shortcuts Um, if you're in college don't do that Um, but uh, it, it got me through have you ever asked that same question when you got married what did I just get myself into and now I know you're blissfully married and you've never had that question come up. And, you know, you've never had any tensions or anything like that go on in your life. But, like, what, did, what just happened, you know? And marriage changes things. It, 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 you're like, you, you can't get away. You're in it. And you better be in it to win it because it's, a, it's forever, right? And then you're like going, oh, my goodness, I didn't know her feet stuck like that. Or, you know, different things like that. What did I just get into? You know, you find out things that you wish you would have asked the questions before. It's like in HR, you know, you ask all these employment questions and you're not allowed to ask a whole bunch of questions. But then once you hire the person, you find out afterwards, oh, man, I wish I would have asked that question, <laughs> You know, and, and it's pretty crazy. I I went on a missions trip one time, and, and it was just after uh, Haiti had their big earthquake. And it was a devastating earthquake. Uh, I, I think a hundred, several hundred thousand people died in that earthquake. And um, I said, let's go to Haiti and help. And well, I did not know what we were getting into. I had no clue. I didn't, I'd never been to Haiti. I'd never experienced what Haiti was like. But when we got there, it was three weeks after the earthquake and people were still trapped inside buildings, obviously not living, but dead. And we were there to um, uh, tear down churches that had been devastated by the earthquake. And we started tearing into these churches and having excruciating experiences with the emotions of the Haitian people. And all that they were going through and all that they were experiencing. I remember one time we had decided we're done tearing down things. Let's build something. And so we went to this place called um, Citi Soleil, which is just outside of Port-au-Prince. And it's, it was known as the ghetto of Port-au-Prince. And we were pouring this big, huge slab of concrete. And, and um, in, in most of Haiti, you don't get a cement truck. Um, but in this case, because it was so much concrete we we hired a cement truck to come and um while we were in the middle of the pour we had about half of the pour done all of a sudden we heard all this gunshot stuff going off we're in the in the ghetto of port au prince and um all of a sudden the un who had just gotten there uh, or was had been there for a while now at this point uh came driving by and said you guys got to leave the cement truck driver just dumped everything on the street And we were like, what? And we were in the middle of the poor. And the cement drug driver dumps everything on the street. All these Haitian people come. And I remember vividly thinking, this is crazy. And so we were packing up our gear. And um, this one lady came with her dress. And she started um, scooping up concrete and putting it in her dress. So she could have a little concrete slab in these crazy places that they were living in the mud, and the dirt, and it was crazy. And I was like, what are we doing? (laughs) This is craziness. This is just insanity. But I think too often we get into things, or many times we get into things that we didn't expect. And the reality is as Christians, and and this is so true, and I I hope you hear it, and, and my passion is this for the next six or seven weeks, is that we would realize that we have gotten ourselves into something that has an enemy, that has an enemy, and once we accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, or maybe you're considering it, maybe you're thinking about it, maybe you're kicking the tires of faith, and you're, you're like going, ah, after this message, I don't think I want to get involved. Well, that's the perfect tactic of the enemy, is to cause you to doubt and cause you to think that no way, do I want to get involved, but the best thing you could do is get involved, and I'll share with you why in just a moment. But the, the crazy thing is, we are part of an army. We are part of a war. We are part of a battle that is going on for the souls of this nation, for the souls of our families, for, the soul, for our own souls. We're in a battle for the, the, the souls of this world. And if we don't acknowledge it and embrace it and understand it, then we are in trouble. One of the tactics of military recruitment, and I'm not against the military. I love the military. I think, in in fact, if you've served our our nation, thank you so much for doing that. But one of the recruitment, yeah. One of the recruitment tools is not to start with war. You don't start recruiting by going, hey, you want to go fight a war? No, we have educational opportunities. we'll, We'll train you how to do skills that will be... Functional when you get out of the military and you can go and work wherever you want because you are going to be highly skilled. We're going to give you VA benefits. You can get your home. You can get your medical. You can get all this covered. And, uh, and we're going to help you. And, and by the way, there's a possibility you might be fighting a war. Oh, what? Well, did we leave that out? You know, I, the recruitment might be all about those benefits but not about the war that military people are trained to be a part of. Well, maybe you got into Christianity for a reason, like having your sins forgiven, which is amazing. The promise of eternal life, which is awesome. The beauty of having a relationship with Jesus Christ while we live on this planet. But the reality is, is that we are in a war. And there's nothing more that the enemy is committed to than trying to steal, kill, and destroy your life and everything around you that you hold valuable. And most importantly, everything that you hold valuable to your soul and in relationship with Jesus Christ. If the enemy can steal that, if he can do that through a, 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 a deception, through a lie, through destroying other parts of your life, whatever it may be, he will use any tool he can And if we are not prepared to fight that battle, we will lose it. We will lose it. The church in America is in decline. The church isn't growing. We hear about these big churches. We hear about these mega churches. And we hear about all these crazy things that are going on. And we celebrate these these things. But in reality, what's happening is the, the, the small churches are moving to the big churches. And they're finding uh, comfort and place. And those churches are good. I'm not knocking those churches, but I'm saying that what's happening is more people are being discouraged in their faith than they are being encouraged in their faith. And today and through this series, I hope and pray that we will find encouragement encouragement to, to fight the good fight, to fight the battle, to take up arms. I've entitled today's message, A Call to Arms. And it happens in Ephesians chapter 6. The, let me give you just a little bit of background about Ephesians. Ephesians is a book that the Apostle Paul wrote. Paul was a, an apostle who went around establishing and building churches. And he built this church. He started this church. He helped start this church. In fact, he loved it so much he spent three years in Ephesus uh, helping pastor and helping develop the church. Helping develop leaders and, and people that would carry on the ministry of the church. And then he went and he got in some trouble. He ended up taking a Gentile into a temple one time and he ends up in jail. And he's tied to these two Roman soldiers and they're, 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 uh, he's, he's in jail. And these, these are actually, this is, one, this is one of the letters that's called the prison letter. And so uh, <clears throat> Paul is writing to the Ephesian church. Now what happens in church often, especially in established churches that kind of live for a long time, is they, they become complacent. They become kind of a mix of their, their culture. They, they embrace the world and they embrace Jesus. And, and it's hard to do both. It's hard to, you know, it's hard to, to hug on both, both sides of, 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 of the world and of Jesus and what Jesus wants. And, and what he's very concerned about in this context is that uh, Ephesus was a center of, of uh, commerce it was a center of religion. They had a, a, a goddess that they worshipped named Diana, and she was the, the goddess. I mean, she was everything. And, and um, she was the goddess, I think it was, of, of the moon and animals. And I don't know why the goddess of the moon and animals is everything. And they couldn't get to the moon, and animals are animals. So I don't know what they were putting their faith or trust in, but the, uh, it, it was, she was also known as the fertility god, which I think that's the, the bottom line. It was a sex god. And, and cultures embrace uh, that kind of immorality and that infidelity and, and all those things. And if your goddess will let you be uh, uh, pleasured, then that's what a lot of people go to. And so Paul is worried. Paul is, is feeling this tension that the church is starting to slide into and, uh, and, and go to the, 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 the affluence of the culture He's, he's afraid that they're going to the religion of the culture. He's afraid that they're losing their place in a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so this is a war, really, uh, that the enemy wages on every culture. If we can get a culture to be discouraged, or if we can get a culture to focus on a goddess that pleasures themselves rather than worships the Almighty, why not? And so he'll use any tool and any avenue to get a, the Christianity to go in the wrong direction. And so Paul is writing this, this book, this encouragement, and he, he takes the first three chapters and he says, this is the beauty of our faith. If you read Ephesians, the first three chapters, it's the beauty of having a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's the beauty of serving him. It's the beauty of walking in Christ. And then the last part of it, the last three chapters, are all about what it's like to live for Jesus. Jesus. And so he's reminding the, the Ephesian church, don't forget the Jesus that you gave your, excuse me, gave your life to. And then he says, and don't forget that our life should be different than that of the world. And we need to understand that we cannot give in to the ways of the world, that there is a battle and we need to be prepared to fight it. And so in Ephesians 6, verse 10, and this, this passage will be the beginning of our, our series for the next several weeks, it says, Ephesians 6:10 says, finally, and he, he's finishing up, he's wrapping it up, he says, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. You know, probably these Ephesians are like going, wait, 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 what? We're in a war? I, I was in this for my salvation. I was in this for my, my forgiveness. I was in this for the eternal life. I was in this for the fuzzy feelings when I get uh, when we worship. I was in it for the hugs of relationship that I get when I go to church. I'm in it for all of that, but I'm not in it to go to war. Put on the full armor of God. What, what are we talking about? What, what are we talking about? Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. I just came for the good part of this, not the hard part, not the difficult part, not the challenging part, not the part that makes me have to discipline myself to be ready for war, not the part that causes me to have to put on protective clothing so that I am not going to get stabbed or shot or put down or all that kind of stuff. I, I, I'm a police chaplain and I do a, a lot of ride-alongs. I was starting to do a bunch of ride-alongs and, and uh, there was one that I, I went on and uh, guns were involved and... All these kinds of things and of course when when that happens the officers say stay in the car and um always they they encourage me stay behind the engine block and um don't get out until i tell you you can and uh my wife said you need a vest (laughs) and so i i asked for one i said hey i'm gonna do all these ride-alongs it's probably a good idea that i get a a bulletproof vest so i when i go on ride-alongs now i wear a vest and um you know it's weird to see the chaplain in a vest but um I don't want to get shot. I need some armor because I'm perceived on the side of the enemy. I'm, I'm, you know, it's it's one of those weird uh, relational things that um, that people that are disobeying the law have with uh, the enforcers of the law, and so I I go out and protect myself. That's that's there's a reality spiritually speaking, that, that we are in a battle. And if we don't embrace that reality, we will fall easily to the temptations that come along in our world. The enemy isn't gonna come and say, hey, we're in a battle. And, and just, you know, he's gonna come and deceive. He's going to come and lie. He's gonna come and do all kinds of different things depending on where we are, depending on what our perspectives are. And he'll do everything he can to destroy our relationship with God. Finally, be strong in the Lord. Are we aware? Are we willing to embrace? Are we willing to admit that, yep, we're in a battle and we better get ready for it. We better get ready for it. And so let's deal with what does being strong in the Lord mean? What What is Paul trying to encourage the Ephesians To understand, I love the passage in Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 through 9. It says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses, aid. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people, get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I am about to give them to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised. As I promised Moses. Your territory will extend to the desert, to Lebanon, from the desert to Lebanon <clears throat> and from the great river Euphrates to uh, all the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. That's a great promise, isn't it? That's a great promise. The hard part of this is that Moses, is my servant, is dead. And for anybody here that thinks that they're resting on the laurels of the past, it doesn't work. We can't, we, yes, it was wonderful what people in our past have done for us. It's, it's amazing that we stand on the shoulders of so many elderly people who fought the fight and helped us establish the church and, and develop the future, but they left it to us, and it's our job now to move forward. It's our job to fight this fight. And then, God says to Joshua, be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. What a great promise. What a great promise. But what does he mean by strong? What does he mean? What do you mean by be strong? I have a choice to be that. I have a choice to be that. And basically strength simply means this. Strength is the inner resolve or the physical ability to accomplish to accomplish an endeavor. Influence an outcome or prevail in a conflict. God is saying to, to Joshua, he's also saying it to you and me. But he was saying it to the Ephesians in, in, in Ephesus through Paul. Be strong. Be resolved to win and not lose. Amen. Pastor, that's preaching right there. I'll, I'll amen myself if I have to. But we have to have a resolve. We have to have a commitment. We have to know that when you, when you sign up for the military, you're in. Now, you can blow it in, in boot camp, but it takes a lot of work to get out of there. When you sign up for Christianity, you're in. It takes a lot of work to get out of it. But you're in. You're in the fight. You're in the battle. You have been recruited. Even though you may have been told you're in for all the benefits, the battle is ours. And we're in it. And we're going to win it. I don't like losing. I hate losing. I'm not a good loser. Okay? Whoever said it's not whether you win or lose, it's how you play the game. Never won. Because winning is so much fun. It's so much fun to look at that opponent and go, you tried and failed. Now, I've experienced loss. I've experienced, I've lost. I'm, I've, I've, I've lost games. And uh, there was one team that I coached that we were a defeated team, not an undefeated team. There were other teams that I coached that were undefeated teams. And they were, there was nothing like it. I don't know where parents get the idea that, well, we don't win or lose games. We just play. Uh, I don't care what you think. If I'm grandpa on the sideline, I'm keeping score. <laughs> There's a winner. Loser. Strength is that inner resolve, that commitment to do whatever it takes to win, to do whatever it takes. And I'm not talking about sin, I'm not talking about cheating, I'm talking about having an inner resolve to do whatever it takes to be a winner. And that's what we have to have. We have to have this resolve, this commitment to realize that we can't lose this game. There's too much at stake, there's hell. As the other option. And that's no option at all. And I think you would agree with me. That there's no other option but winning. And the only way to win. In this context. The Bible says. Is to be strong in the Lord. Not not in ourselves. Because this kind of strength. Doesn't come from the willpower of man. You and I. Probably have tried to succeed in everything we do, and we still fail. We've resisted temptation with our own willpower, and we've given in. But as soon as we allow the Holy Spirit to come in and and be the strength of our lives, then we can successfully resist. We can successfully identify sin, and we can successfully overcome it. Without the Holy Spirit, then we are weak. And the Bible even says that. In Romans chapter 8, that, that we don't have the capacity to follow all the rules, to do all the things, and to even save ourselves. We don't have it. But if we put our mind and our heart and focus on the Lord, we cannot lose. We cannot lose. John fifteen five says this. It says that I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do, can you say it? Yeah. Nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. That is so hard to admit for many of us. There's no such thing in the kingdom as a self-made man or woman. It's only a God-made person. In the kingdom world, in the world we live in, there's only one kind of person, and that's the person that God makes. And God works through, and God does all of his actions through. The beauty of being strong in the Lord is that all we have to do is say, God, I am committed to do whatever you lead me to do. And then his power comes in and does whatever he wants to do. And the result is up to him. I love that. I love that. I am faithfully preaching this morning. I'm not preaching in Ricardo's power. I'm not preaching in my own mindset. I'm not preaching in, I'm preaching God's word. And the power is in the Lord. And I'm just faithfully speaking what he, I faithfully studied and I faithfully preaching and hopefully and prayerfully, it has an impact on us to say, okay, I'm in the battle. I'm, there's a call to arms and I'm willing to do it in his mighty power. Do you realize how powerful God is? He's omnipotent. I mean, he's all-powerful. Now, I know there's crazy questions out there like, can God, well, if he's so powerful, can he make a rock he can't lift? No, that would be silly. And God doesn't do silly. He does crazy things like create a universe that we can't even imagine. He, cre- he creates a body. Do you, do you realize the chemical processes that are going on in your body right now? I ate a donut this morning, Okay. <laughs> Now, I realize for some of you that may be a, a confession of sin, but I don't see that as sin. I just see it as a moment of enjoyment, okay? <laughs> but right now, that donut is in a complete chemical process of separating the sugars from the, the you know, all this kind of stuff is going on in my body. There's, there's a, a, a chemistry that just is amazing that no one created but God. And to think that it came out of a goo, a pool of goo, is craziness. It's insanity. To think that that chemist, chemistry process is happening because it just happened. That's how powerful God is. He's, he's got the creative ability. No one can defeat him. He is all-powerful. There's nothing that we can't do in his power, not in our power. Yeah. If God said, let's charge hell with a squirt gun, I'm right behind him. Because no matter what I have in that squirt gun, his power is greater and able to empower. 2 Corinthians 4, 7 through 8 says this. It says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair. There's a power inside of us that's greater than the power that's outside. We might be pressured. We might be going through tough stuff, but there is nothing that can crush us. And it's the power of God within us. Are we conscious that we're in a war? Are we conscious that we need to put on the armor of God? Are we conscious that we need the power of God? Are we conscious that we are in a fight for, the, for our soul and the souls of the world? We don't save ourselves through fighting. We're saved. The battle's been won on the cross. But now we're fighting for the joy of living for him and winning people to Jesus. And when we do that, we set ourselves up as a target, but we also set ourselves up to win because we have the power of God in us. There's a key part of this passage that's always something that you have to pay attention to when you're reading scripture when you're studying scripture and when it says so that so that put on the full armor of god so that so that so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes this is the only way to win is when we walk in the power and we put on the full armor of God and for the next several weeks we're gonna talk about putting on that armor and which armor pieces those are, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, all those things, the, the, the sandals of peace, all those things are gonna be parts of things that we talk about in the coming weeks that I think are essential not just to our spiritual well-being but to our everyday living. And I want you to invite friends because I think it's a very ap- uh, applicable uh, um, series that I think will speak not only to the, the, the spiritual part of our lives but to the practical part. And I'll make sure it, it answers some questions that I think are important. But the Bible says, so that you can stand against the devil's schemes when the day of evil comes. And I love that passage because it, it simply says it's going to come. We will face the enemy. The day of evil is coming and we need to be able to remain standing. And that's the power of being in God, having the power of God in us. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Really powerful truth, and we'll we'll wrap it up right here. If we have our eyes and our hearts set on the world, then our battle will always be with the flesh and blood. But if we have our eyes on Christ, then we will understand that the battle is won there before it can ever be won on the planet. You're like, I'm going to overcome sin. I'm going to overcome this. I'm going to win this battle. I'm going to win this financial thing. I'm going to do this thing in in my life. I'm I'm going to to pursue my successes, all those things. If you don't have this together, then these won't come together. Now, you might look at the blessings of life, and you might look and and say, well, I'm not rich. But so-and-so is rich, and they don't even believe in God. That's not a blessing to them. That's the anchor that's holding them down in a relationship with God. Have to understand that when we look at what's going on in our world, affluence can be a negative. And I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm not saying that at all. But it's what happens in the heart when it comes through, when affluence comes from Jesus through the heart out to the world. It's a beautiful thing. But when affluence is what we trust in, it's a bad thing. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. If we have our eyes this way, then all the battles will be flesh and blood. But that's all you get. When our our eyes are this way, then we understand that we can defeat the battle that's happening here. Our battle is against rulers, authorities, powers of this dark world, spiritual forces. It's all spiritual. And we have to realize that if we don't win this battle first, then this battle is always going to be a struggle. Always going to be the, the, the harder thing to do instead of trusting in the Lord. No matter what we go through on this earth, if we don't have this battle won, then we're going to lose this battle. Amen? Amen. Okay, okay. We're not fighting the politics or the politicians. We're not fighting the finances or the lack of them. We're not fighting our bodies or our health. We're fighting a spiritual battle for our souls and the souls of this world. And if we are unwilling to put on the full armor of God, then we will lose the battle. My commitment is that in the next six or seven weeks, we will be armed and dangerous. Not dangerous to the world, not dangerous to your neighbor, but to the the devil, that creep. This passage of scripture is clear. The evil days will come, and will we be ready? Will we be able to stand? Will we be able to fight? Will we be able to win? And when we are prepared, I guarantee you, we will win, and we will experience the success of spiritual battles, which is amazing because that affects all of our earthly experiences. And I'm excited about that. So maybe you came in today And you're like, wait, wait, what? (laughs) I like the benefits, but I don't like the battle part. Well, welcome to the club. I don't like it either. I don't like the fact that we have to fight, but we do. So let's be ready. And if you're here today and you feel beat down, you feel like you're going through it, and you've kind of, like we talked about earlier, you're looking to the world for answers rather than up, I want to encourage you today. Let's start looking up. And let's see what God can do when we manage this battle before we try and manage these battles. Amen? Amen? Father God, I pray for every heart in this room. Lord, it's so easy to look to this world for answers or for what we perceive as blessings and all the things that would ease our world and our life and our experience. But Lord, we want to be in the battle, in the power of God, Putting on the full armor of God so that we can be ready to, to, to resist and to go on the offensive instead of just be on the defensive all the time. So that we can be the people that are standing tall when the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. You know there are hearts in this room that are discouraged. You know that there's frustration. You know there is uh, uh, lives that want to move forward but don't quite know how to do it. Lord, I pray that you help us to look up and not just uh, to this world for answers. Help us, God, to understand what is important, what's valuable before in, in your world before we try and live out the principles in this world. So, Lord, I pray for the discouraged. I pray for the frustrated. I pray for those that are, are tired and weary of fighting a battle of flesh and blood when, Lord, we need to know that in your power, nothing can defeat us. Nothing can defeat us. I pray for those that are struggling. I pray for those that are going through it. I pray for those that the enemy is attacking. Lord, make us victorious. Give us a win. Help us to understand what winning is like in your power, in your might. And Lord, I pray that every heart and every mind in this room would experience a win this week. That no matter what they're facing at work, at home, wherever it is, in finances, in, in relationships, God, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you give us all that victory, that all that beauty of knowing that your power is in effect in our lives. Not our power, not our willpower, not anything other than your power. And I pray that in Jesus' name. I pray that for the discouraged. I pray that for the frustrated. I pray that for those that are just feeling down and discouraged. Maybe you're here today and you haven't accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But today you realize that there's somebody that has already fought a battle for you. And you've been trying to do it religiously or you've been trying to make your life good or right, but you just find yourself falling back on it every time and you can't get there. Why? Because we are incapable as human beings of saving ourselves. We need Jesus. Jesus did the work on the cross. He died and he rose again. And today he lives eternally. And all we have to do is say, Jesus, forgive me of my sin." I believe that you were raised from the dead, and I commit to follow you for the rest of my life. I commit to fight this battle. And if that's you, I just want to encourage you today to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. So would you repeat this prayer after me? Dear Jesus, I accept you as my Lord and my Savior. I ask that you forgive me of my sin. And I accept that forgiveness based on the work you did on the cross and I thank you for making me completely clean. I believe that you were raised from the dead and that today you live eternally. You live forever. And I have the promise of eternal life with you. And I commit to follow you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen.